morning, good people, and welcome to worship at Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church. We're so glad that you found your way to us through Facebook Live, through Spotify on our podcast, or our recorded version of worship on our website. Thank you for being with us. Whether you're here in our sanctuary, there are very few of us here, or in your home, or wherever you may be. Um, this marks a new year of the liturgical calendar. It is the first Sunday of Advent. Advent is a time of preparation, a time of repentance, and a time of great hope. And I think as we round out 2020, perhaps Advent is a season that we've needed more than any other in recent years. A few important announcements before we begin with worship. First, please note that we are celebrating the Lord's Supper today, so if you are in your home, please take a moment to set your table as an extension of this table with crackers or bread, wine or juice, and we will celebrate together by the Holy Spirit. Also, um, we have a, a couple of leaders that are new to us here at Selwyn Avenue today. Preaching today is our seminary intern, Ashley Anderson. She is a student at Union Presbyterian Seminary here in Charlotte. She has proved to be a gifted teacher and helper among the staff, and we're grateful for the word that she brings us today. Also, we're blessed to have Eric Millard uh, from UNCC uh, and an ensemble of trumpeters here with us today, helping us celebrate the Advent season. Please look at your bulletin, which you can find online or our website to read more about the ensemble that's with us today. Um, at 12 o'clock today on our lawn, we are having an Advent wreath-making event. It's not too late to join us. We will be wearing masks and everything is spread out. So come make an Advent wreath with us uh, this afternoon. As I continue the announcements, I invite Nancy Nutter Ford, our children's director, who has a word for children today um, from Selwyn. Hi, Nancy. Thanks for being with us. Good morning, children and Selwyn Avenue Press families. As Lori, Pastor Lori just said, this marks the first Sunday in Advent, and our theme is hope. This today and this week, children throughout our congregation, preschool and elementary school, will be receiving an Advent box from us. Inside the box is all kinds of treasures. Each week there's a packet. Today's packet is hope. So when you get your box, open up your packet and you're going to find all kinds of activities to do, things to do as a family, the devotional and prayer time. This is to get you in the spirit as we wait for the coming of our Lord. Also, the staff here at Selwyn is starting on December 1st, that's Tuesday, a different Advent-themed story read live on your podcast, or it was live when it was recorded. And um, so we'd ask that you tune in right up until Christmas Eve, so December 1st to the 23rd, to listen to those stories. Thank you. Nancy, if you are an adult or a youth and you would like an Advent devotional, we do have those available in print, a few here at the church, but also we can make those available to you if you just let the church office know. 
Um, this Wednesday marks our service for Comfort and Hope. This is an annual event. You all are invited to attend by live stream at 10 a.m. Also, there are a few spots here in the sanctuary by RSVP. You can find that link on our website. A quick update on our Rekindling God, God's Gifts, our 2021 stewardship campaign. Thank you, all of you, who gave generously and pledged uh, last week for our dedication Sunday. We have received 80 pledges, and we have 50 more to reach our goal. So if you could prayerfully consider making a pledge for the 2021 season, I promise you will be, be put to good use uh, in keeping with the mission and vision of this church. Lastly, after our introit this morning, we will um, be blessed by Suzanne Newsom, who will be lighting our Advent wreath this morning. Um, she is an elder here at Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church. She is the chair of our worship committee. She's married to Eric Winkenwerder, who is working our camera this morning. Uh, and her mother is Suzanne Newsom, who has been an active member and leader in the PW Women. And they raised their children, Andrew and Eli, here in the sanctuary. And I can think of no better representative of, of this congregation than Suzanne to light our Advent wreath this morning. Let us worship God together.
Today is the first Sunday in our celebration of Advent. The word Advent means coming, and it is the time when we prepare ourselves for the coming of Christ. The Advent wreath is a very old custom, but something is new about it every year. Its circle reminds us of God, who is without beginning or end. Its candles are symbols of the light that came into the world with the coming of Christ. For the next four Sundays, we will light a new candle in expectation of the day of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christians around the world begin this day to await the Advent, the coming of Christ. We join together with hope in lighting the Advent candles, symbols of our faith and signs of God's love. As we light the first Advent candle, let it stand for hope based not on wishful thinking, but upon deep conviction and belief. We believe, we have seen, we have received the loving promise of grace, and therefore we hope. Please pray with me. Dear God, we gather joyfully and with deep commitment, for we have heard that a special child is to come, for God is among us. We are people of hope. In his name, amen. revealed to us in the pages of scripture is a welcoming and a loving and an inclusive God, one who directs us and acknowledges our shortcomings and forgives us. So together, let us acknowledge our shortcomings as we seek to remove barriers that separate us from God's love 
Let us now pray together our prayer of confession. Holy God, creator and redeemer, we confess that in the uncertainty of life, we often live in places of fear, doubt, and disbelief. The chaos of this world becomes the sound ringing in our ears. We no longer hear your voice or feel your nearness. We create distance and breed distrust between ourselves and our brothers and sisters in Christ. Restore us, O oh God. Let your face shine and renew us in hope. In hope we anticipate your presence. In hope we trust your promise. In hope we confidently come before you in silent confession as we lift those things on our hearts that are unspoken. Amen. Friends, hear these words of assurance from Jeremiah chapter 29. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Let us pray. Lord, may you calm our busy hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Well, everyone, welcome to Advent season. I cannot believe this time is upon us. Time has seemed to pass very quickly and very slow altogether this year. And I don't know about you, but I could absolutely add an extra dose of peace, hope, love, and joy right about now. So as we head into Advent season, just as we do in Lent, there is a certain posture that we take. In this season, there is a longing, an expectation, a period of waiting. The triumphant entry of, man, of God as man into creation doesn't happen without a period of waiting. Nine long months, give or take, for Mary. But even before then, we have the prophet Isaiah speaking of a holy seed, a remnant, a servant that will come who brings justice and mercy for all. A new king, Emmanuel, God with us. Now this is several hundred years before Jesus is even born. The Israelites in our passage today are no strangers to this notion of anticipation and expectation. They hoped and waited under the oppression of Egypt, waited 40 more years in the desert, and today's text comes after the 70-year Babylonian exile. The Israelites are at the end of their rope. They cannot see or hear or sense God. The exile has caused them to lose faith, and now they are complaining against God. They need something, anything, to change. Let us turn to today's text from Isaiah 64, verses 1 through 9. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, 
so that the mountains would quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries so that nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways. But you were angry and we sinned. Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf, and our inequities, like the wind, take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. Yet, O oh Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O oh Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider, we are all your people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I can't believe I'm about to admit this, and I told the staff earlier this week, but I am re-watching Grey's Anatomy, and one of our family friends told us that it's in its 17th season, so I've got a lot of catching up to do. And my husband calls it the most depressing show ever. After watching a brief few seconds of it, not even a whole episode, he will say, oh man, more bad news, what a surprise. And I've been thinking a lot about this perspective, and yes, I do find myself tearing up sometimes in an episode, because it reflects the realities of life that are hard to deal with and some that just feel downright unfair. There are fractured relationships, broken bones, scars from past hurts, diagnoses, accidents, disasters, and death, and lots and lots and lots of waiting. There was a particular episode where one of the characters is getting caught up in her life circumstances, and she exclaims, I just... I just need something to happen, a sign that things are going to change. I need a reason to go on. I need some hope. Dr. Uh, Tim Mackey of the Bible Project describes hope in this way. It's anticipating a future that is better than the present. In today's scripture, hope fuels the Israelites' petition to, to God for change. And we can feel their weariness, their longing, their doubt, their grief and lament. And I certainly start to shift in my seat when they start shaking their tiny fists at God for feeling as though he is angry and that God has hidden his face. But for me, maybe again it's because at times in life, all these things have been true. In the waiting, in the darkness, in the pain, in the suffering, in the midst of life circumstances where I too shake my tiny fist. 
The prophet looks to the past of God's saving actions as they wrestle with the day-to-day struggles of the present. The lament and supplication are intertwined as Israel begins to raise its eyes to the one true helper. The way that the people of Israel understood God's covenant, God's promise, was that protection from Yahweh was a blessing to those who followed God's will and God's laws. It was and is relational. So as we look at this notion of hope in Isaiah, it has more to do with waiting on a person rather than a particular outcome. In Isaiah chapter 8, verse 17 reads, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. These words of wait and hope are bound up in a longing for God and a looking eagerly for God. The space between us and God, that sacred space, it's relational. One where we can heap up prayers of lament or prayers of thanksgiving. One where we can hope and we can long and we can wait. Where no thing can separate us. As one of my friends likes to say, it is deep and it is real. But it is also God's action. See, God invites us into the relationship from the beginning. In today's text, verse 4 translates from Hebrew, For since the beginning of the world, not men have heard nor perceived by the ear, the eye, nor has seen any God besides you who acts for the one who waits for him. It's God's doing, God's indwelling, It's God's mission. And friends, that's good news. From the beginning, when God first split open the heavens, creating all that is, and making humankind, we were to be in relation with God, right there in the garden and right here in our lives. Not because of anything we have done or have not done. It's because God did and does so. We hear throughout the Old Testament that God hid God's face. And I don't know about you, but there are certainly times in my life where I've felt this way. And that's certainly how the Israelites felt in our text. But for me, it's not so much a response of God's activity or rather inactivity, God's absence or disdain, as much as it is my own or the perception of the world around me. The world is full of hurt, full of pain and suffering, and tries to tell us on a daily basis how we don't belong. It tries to bring us down, to separate us, and rule with success and accomplishment over love of neighbor. It happens sometimes. We forget who we are and who we are created to be. A friend gave us a children's book that I actually really love to read myself. Um, And I try to keep it in a spot in our house where I see it because it helps me remember. It's called Old Turtle. And there is a part that seems to catch my breath every time I read it. It says, but the people forgot. They forgot that they were a message of love and a prayer from the earth 
and they begin to argue about who knew God and who did not, and where God was and where God was not, and whether God was or was not. And often people misuse their powers and hurt one another. But the people could not remember who they were or where God was. Until one day, there came a voice, like the growling of thunder, but as soft as a butterfly's sneeze. See, every now and then, we get a glimpse of the glory of God, a faint hue of hope where we remember. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. The words, yet, O Lord, also translate to but now, Yahweh. Walter Brueggemann, a theologian and Old Testament scholar, writes about this simple three-letter word, yet. He says, the prayer continues with a mighty yet, the yet that makes hope possible when logic and circumstance dictate a harsh ending. And I don't, I don't know why God doesn't give us big glimpses in the waiting or when life becomes hard and complicated. And believe me, I have had prayers like today's text. God, give me a sign, anything. Moses got a whole burning bush. I'll take a leaf that just lights on fire. And the truth is, I do believe that God does this. Not on a scale of thundering heavens or quaking mountains, but maybe more like the story of Elijah and Old Turtle. It's a still, small voice. And I even think it's sometimes in the waiting I can hear God the most. In the moments of solitude, when a prayer com comes from the depths of my being, or even when there are no words, and God calls to simply be still. I also believe our hope is strengthened by the people around us. The person who stands up for justice and mercy and speaks out about inequality. The one who reaches out to a neighbor who is currently in isolation. The person who is present as a family grieves the loss, the loss of a loved one. The friend who simply calls to say hello. The colleague who offers an encouraging word. The neighbor who puts out Christmas decorations out a week before Thanksgiving. Or the child whose smile lights up a room. This world is a mess, Lord, yet you sustain it. We are a wandering people, yet you love us. We do not know what is next, yet we wait. We do not know where the road leads, yet we live in hope. That God's kingdom come, God's will be done, here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. There have been plenty of tables set this week. Tables full of stuffing and turkey, pies, potatoes. 
tables full of gratitude, but there's also been tables of loneliness, tables of emptiness, tables full of regret or even animosity. And there is no amount of food or drink to satisfy that sort of hunger or thirst. So for those who are literally hungry and for those who are spiritually hungry, this table is set for you. This is a table for anyone and everyone who has been told you do not matter, you do not belong, you are not worthy. This is a table for anyone and everyone who understands what it means to be desperate. For those of you who have been waiting, for those of you who have actually shaken their fists at God, for those who are hanging on by a thread, for those of you who might be resisting God's grace. This is a table for anyone and everyone who longs to be known and loved. This is God's table. It's full of abundant grace and everlasting love. And on this first day of Advent, we gather at this table and we remember what it means to really belong to God. And we give thanks for this love that is so profound that God would even come to dwell among us. This is the day we whisper the word, Emmanuel, God with us. And while we whisper that word, Emmanuel, Jesus replies, Come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. This, by God's Holy Spirit, is the Lord's table. And it extends to wherever you are and it is set for you.
Let us pray. God of love, we stand at the threshold of this season. We await Christ's coming as the Prince of Peace, the bearer of good news. As we wait on this first Sunday of Advent, help us to ponder deeply Jesus' ultimate coming as our crucified and risen Lord to judge and to heal and to love the brokenness of our world. Help us to be vigilant in our waiting, O God. Empower us to call for your restoration of our world, of our country, and of our lives, and to participate in that work. We come to you with hearts that need to be opened by your word and your love. There's so much around us that causes us to tremble and shake our fists. Keep us mindful of your presence and the hope that you have given us in your son, Jesus. Guide us as your church and keep vigil with us this day as we pray for all of those who are sick and suffering, for those who search for answers, those who mourn and feel alone, for our world, for places where violence is affecting human lives and the life of your creation. We pray for countries and states dealing with devastation caused by natural disasters, hurricanes, and wildfires, for those who have lost their jobs and loved ones during this pandemic. Help us, O oh God, to serve as agents of your love and to care for those in our midst who are suffering. Be with us, bind up the brokenhearted, heal our bodies, comfort all who are in need, and fold us all into your tender care as we entrust our lives to you. These are our prayers, O oh God together with those that lie on all of our hearts as your faithful people. We offer those to you in the spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. On the night of the Lord's arrest, he took bread and gave thanks, and he, he broke the bread. easier than I do. <laughs> he broke the bread and he said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup and again giving thanks, he said, this is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Drink from this. And when you do so, do so in remembrance of me. And now you all are invited, wherever you are, to eat the bread of life and to drink the cup of salvation. And no matter where you are, know that you're here at the Lord's table.
Now let us pray in thanksgiving. Holy and gracious God, for your radical love and unwavering presence in our lives, we give you thanks. And as we gather around this table, silently and gently, falling and failing, changing and resting, seeking you, Lord, we watch, we wait, we dream, we pray for the earth to renew, for our hearts to soften, for your grace to cover us, for your justice to pour out, for time and space to listen, for courage to act. On the edge of Advent, we sit with you. We pause, we hurt, we repent, we rage, but we also give thanks and have hope and seek joy. When will it be? Will it ever be? Come quickly, Lord Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen. One way that we respond to God's abundant love and grace is through discipleship. And discipleship happens in all kinds of ways. So this morning during our anthem, I would like to invite you all to truly sit and take time to think about what discipleship means to you, especially as we start this new season together. Maybe you're called to join a Bible study or to focus more on scripture. Maybe you're called to participate in the mission of Selwyn and feeding our hungry and homeless neighbors. Maybe it's just reaching out to someone that you know needs to hear from you. Discipleship, however, also includes sharing of our financial resources that have been entrusted to each of us. So during this time, we invite you to share a portion of your gifts so that we may continue to share the love of God with each other and our neighbors. Our text to give number is 704-734-9818. Come, let us listen and respond to God's call.
we begin Advent season, let us find comfort in the waiting and hope in a God who is near. And may the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Go in peace.